I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and I thank you for the opportunity and for your prayers. That as we deliver this, uh, it's a teaching session again. Welcome, Carl. Uh, so we've been learning today about the, um, the Church of Sardis. Amen. Amen. The Church of Sardis. We've covered a few of these letters by now. Um, and today is not different. Uh, you know, it's, it's a very interesting letter that Jesus wrote to the Church of Sardis. And I'm really delighted to share some of the lessons that we learned from this. And as we break it down really verse by verse, we can pick up some things that, that were happening during that time. Amen? Amen. Uh, so what I will do, uh, if you can just turn your Bibles to Revelation 3. But before we read, I'll just give you some background on the Church of Sardis, and then we'll read and dissect. Our time is very good. I'm hoping not to hold you very long, but I'm really, really happy that we are right on time. Now, we won't read that for now. So the Church of Sardis, um, it was an Asian man, as we know. These are churches that are all located uh, in the same region that we've been learning the previous churches to be in. And it was known as a wealthy city at that time, a very vital city um, during Roman rule. Now, if we look at the geographical location of the Church of Sardis, uh, for some of you that have pictures in your Bibles, you'll find that it was located in a very mountainous region. Okay, there was a higher part of the city and the lower part of the city. Now, by default, uh, the higher part of the city was where the wealthy people lived. And the lower part of the city was where the, the commoners, shall I say, or those that were not so rich, that's where they lived. Now, in case you wondered why was it a rich city, it is said that there was a river that flowed from the mountain down into the valley. Now, this is quite important for what we'll see Jesus writing to this church. So I found it really interesting. So, as the river flowed from the mountains, it would wash down and the gold and silt down with it. So what the, you know, the, the community would do, they would harvest the gold and silt and they would sell it. And of course, those in power would tax uh, the hardworking and then they would get richer and richer. So this has been happening from a long time ago. One of the first ones to work and pay our taxes. Amen. <laughs> now, interestingly, this happened time and time again, and as that wealth grew, it found its way to the church. You know, it found its way to the church. Now that's quite interesting. So with that in mind, let us turn our Bibles to um, Revelation 3. We'll be reading, the, it's only a short one. Uh, we've got six verses uh, of that letter. And it says, To the angel of the church of Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. And the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not sold their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Amen? The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given us to learn about your letter. And as we look at it, Heavenly Father, as we learn, may you teach us the lessons, O God. May you cultivate our hearts, O God, that as we hear your word, we'll learn from it. And you will continue to speak, O God, as we read and study your word in days to come. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, the first thing that we see on there, on the second part, by the way, I'm reading from the NIV, uh, for some of you who have different versions. Jesus says, I know your deeds. This is something that we see in almost all the letters. A constant reminder that he's there, a constant reminder that he has his eye on the church, a constant reminder that he has, he has his eyes on us as his children. I know your deeds, he says. I know, I know, I know your deeds. But interestingly, he says, you know, on the next part, he says, you have a reputation of being alive. That's the first thing that stands out to me. Anyone else has a different version to, to what Jesus says in that? No? Everyone's version says you have a reputation of being alive. Yes. Awesome, awesome. So he says you have a reputation of being alive. Now, given what we have learned already about the background of these guys, I think already we can imagine the sort of things that these guys were up to. Now, these guys had money. So I pretty much assume they could afford to throw events, you know. These guys could afford to bring in the most expensive artists, you know. I can imagine that the place that we in was beautiful, you know, he had light, he had, you know, sound, the best speakers in town, you know, and they would do things very lively. So Jesus says, you have a reputation of being alive. So this is what he's really talking about. You know, you're known in the community as a church that is noisy, you know, a church that is thriving from the perception of those around them, you know, a church that is, you know, do we see a lot of that nowadays? Perhaps, perhaps. So these guys were very, very noisy, and, and Jesus was looking at this and seeing this, you know, and everyone's like, wow, I want to be part of that church. I can imagine that this is a church that pretty much everyone wanted to be part of. And I think, you know, this is a church that attracted even a lot of uh, new, you know, new Christians, shall I say, or those that are new to Christ, or those that just wanted the feel of church. It was a church that was very easy to come to, and a, very, a church that was very easy to access. This is what I'm picking up from this. Amen? Amen? But these guys had a big problem. They looked good on the outside. But on the inside they were dead. So Jesus says, but you are dead. Jesus wasn't impressed at all. All these things that they were doing, the flash of things that were going on, the noise, the barbecues, the field, you know, temple that they had, but spiritually, they had nothing going on. Spiritually, these guys were dead. Interesting, isn't it? God is 
God is showing us here that he's far much more interested in deeper things than the noise. Yeah? He looks at the heart, the heart that is hidden. Spiritually, these guys were infested with sin and they were corrupt. Ouch. So he says you're dead. And there's one thing that, if you look at this church, it's one of the two churches that wasn't persecuted, or that wasn't going through persecution at the time of this letter that was written to them. Now, if you look at, when you look at the other letters that Jesus writes to the churches now, there's only other two churches that Jesus didn't have anything bad to say about them. Now, the ones that Jesus didn't have anything bad to say about them, they were being persecuted. But these guys weren't being persecuted like another church also. And guess what? Jesus has something to say to them, to correct them. Doesn't that speak something? There's a good correlation between being persecuted and being righteous in the eyes of God. Now I think the moment that the community can be so comfortable with us as a church and everyone is agreeing and laughing and smiling, that means that possibly we're not really doing things as good as we should be. Amen? That's what I found out. I'm not sure if you guys saw the same thing if you've looked at the letters, but that's just an interesting point to look at and say, okay, these guys weren't being persecuted, but how come the other churches that were being persecuted? Jesus had nothing bad to say about them. Now, when he says, but you are dead, I think already we flip that and start looking at, okay, what is Jesus really interested in when he's looking at the church? When Jesus is really looking at us as a community, as a gathering, what is it that he really wants? I think he's really interested in power. When you look at the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we look at when Jesus, you know, after he got baptized and really started doing the work that he's been called to do, there's one thing that's consistent that I found out is that every time that he performed a miracle and every time that he, you know, he did wonders, the people around him were very astonished because they said, wow, this guy teaches with so much authority. He cast out demons. These are the things that Jesus is interested in. He says, I have given you power to trample upon every snake and every scorpion and to overcome all powers of the enemy. Nothing will injure you. It's a spiritual thing that we're going through. It's a spiritual thing. Spiritual matters is what Jesus is really interested in. What are we doing to affect the community? Are we just throwing parties? You know, are we just filling the church with noise? Or are we really doing the work of God? Are we really having an impact on souls and transforming lives? Amen? Amen. And it reminds me of the time when, uh, if, if I look at Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, if we turn to Corinthians uh, 4, um, I think I'll just reference that. I was just going to go through it, but I'll read it for you. I found it very interesting. Because it, it also, it, there was a time when uh, the Corinthians, 
were doing a similar thing. They were becoming very arrogant and they had no respect for spiritual fatherhood. They were just doing things anyhow. And Paul writes them a letter. Um, if you look at chapter 4, um, okay, yeah, chapter 4. Now, I'll just read verse 14 and then I'll read 19 and 20. And then anything that's in between, you can study that when you have time. But the first thing he says to them there, he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my children. Okay? Now, let's skip to, uh, to verse 19. Because there are many things that he says there, you know, he's, he urges them to imitate me and says, okay, I'll send Timothy to show you how I've been doing things. I want you guys to follow me. And in 19 he says, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. Because that's the secret, really. That's where the strength is when it comes to Christ. You can't really fake it. You can't buy it. This is about power. And verse 20 is really what I'm after. And it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Amen. Anyone has a different version to that? How he writes it in verse 20? What does he say now? Wow. Anyone with a different version to that? Amen. Amen. The kingdom of God does not consist in just words, but power. The kingdom of God does not consist in parties and barbecues, but power. This is Jesus saying this after he looks at this church and he says, okay, so perhaps these guys had too much money, they were distracted, right? I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with money. But these guys were distracted. They had lost focus. Amen? And in verse 2 he says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Interesting. I think there is, there is a significance to every word that Jesus writes when he's writing the church. And he says, I have found your deeds unfinished. Now the good thing is that, you know, when we look at the, the, uh, the first part of um, verse 2, when he says, wake up. So, okay, he's talking about revival. Okay, revive what's left within you. Okay, the good thing is they still had a little bit, you know, they had something in them. You know, there was still something that was still there. They had something tiny that was about to die, but it was still there. And Jesus says, revive what's left within you. Amen? Amen. Somebody says, revive. 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 Amen. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. I think by saying so, these guys thought they were done. I think they thought they had made it. You know, when I just imagine them, you know, just, you know, lights flashing, speakers booming, music, you know, <laughs> all that they were doing, I think they thought they made it. Because it's easy sometimes to think that once we have a church that is full of people and, you know, we're all just, you know, singing, shall I say, because singing is different from worshipping. You know, when we're just singing, it's easy to think that this is it. 
But Jesus says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. We're not done. Amen. Amen. Just for the sake of that verse, let us just look into Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, because I love that verse. And I've found that significance in that. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Thank you, Lord. says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, I'm picking up that we must always strive to fit into God's plans, not the other way around. And I think as we grow as a church, as we grow in our lives, it's our desire to always, it should be our desire to always fit into God's plan, always. God, what is it that you have for me? What is your plan and your purpose for my life? What is your plan and your purpose for our ministry? Not to try and fit God into the plans that we have. Because <laughs> he's watching. He's always looking. Amen? Wow. And it says in verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Now these guys are blessed in that at the beginning, someone actually taught something good to them. You know? Someone actually taught something good to them. They had heard the good word before. And Jesus knows, because he was there at the beginning. And he knew who he sent to them to go and deliver the message when they were saved at the beginning. Amen? I think with that in mind, let's just look at First um, Thessalonians 1, verse 5. Uh, there's something interesting also that's said there. First Thessalonians uh, 1, Verse 5. This is Paul, uh, Silas, and Timothy. And it says, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Now, I think the reference to that scripture and what Jesus says there is. Remember, remember, remember. In the previous letter to Ephesus, it says, remember your first love. Isn't it? So it's always this reference to always go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the basics of your faith. Go back to the beginning. You know, I think, when I, when I think about it, I remember when I, when I first got saved. And I think sometimes when times get hard, I just stop and think. And I remember that time when I got saved. It was so sweet, wasn't it? If you remember the time that you got saved at the beginning, just think about it for a minute. I remember just the fresh breeze and just the fresh presence of God and there was nothing really that 
I was worried about, but I was excited that I was saved. I had a lot of baggy clothes that I was wearing. I remember just getting rid of them and just going shopping, you know? <laughs> Everything was new, you know? Everything was new. I remember losing the thirst for drinking heavily, you know, and just being refreshed by the presence of God. But it wasn't long after that that I really started to see the enemy. <laughs> you know? Because a lot of people really forget that once you're saved and you're walking with God, the war begins. The journey begins. And I wish that we could tell those that are, are recently saved that, look, things are okay for now, but really be brave. Because <laughs> I'm sure someone in the scripture says, put on the full armor of faith. Put on the full armor. He wouldn't say that for a reason if it wasn't tough. And I think a sad story that I remember is I actually met someone who used to come to the church before. And I asked him, I said, hey, what happened? How come you don't come to church anymore? And he said, you know what, Brian? Things were much easier before I started coming to church. When I started coming to church, everything became hard, so I stopped coming. I met him a couple years ago. Isn't that, you know, when you think about it, that's someone that's, that's lost the whole, just the whole journey that we have to go through as Christians, that it's not necessarily easy, but if you are aware of the enemy and you know his schemes, then it's easier to face him on a daily basis. Amen? Amen. Remember, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard at the beginning. Just the words that were spoken to you at the beginning of your faith. The prophecies that were prophesied to you at the beginning of your faith. Hold on to it, he says, and repent. Hold on to that and repent. And say, God, forgive me. Amen? I have turned from your ways. I have turned from your word. I have gone astray from what I heard about you at the beginning. I repent of my sins. Hold on to it fast and repent. Amen. Amen. How many of us repent from time to time? Yeah? It's an awesome thing, isn't it? I think it's a humbling thing. It's a great thing to do, you know? And I think the reason that why we repent from time to time is because we look back and say, hey, I've gone astray. I've done a few bad things, so God forgive me. I want to go back to who I was before. May you correct things in my life and align things the way they were at the beginning. And this is what Jesus is urging them to do. Amen? And he says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Wow, he warns them. And another interesting thing that I found out about this city uh, of Sardis is obviously given the mountainous region and, and the awkward location that these guys were based in, there's a mountain, there's a valley, it was easy for the enemy to attack them. Because it's very hard to defend an enemy when he's coming from above, isn't it? They can roll so many things at you. They can roll stones and logs and you just can't stop a stone when it's coming from up. So many times they got, you know, um, they got infiltrated by the enemy. And I believe that the reason why Jesus uses this reference, I will come like a thief, it is something that they would understand. Because they never saw the enemy coming every time the enemy came. They would never really anticipate the enemy because there's so many ways and there's so many loopholes. 
There's so many doors that are open. And the enemy will just surprise them each time. And Jesus says, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. Wow. Let us look at Matthew 24, 36. Because Jesus says a similar thing. Uh, we're told of a, of a similar thing that Jesus would do. Matthew 24, verse 36. I'll read it to you quickly. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven know the Son, but only the Father. No one knows the hour. And he was reminding them of the same thing. You will not know what time I'm coming. Let us look at 2 Peter 3 verse 10. Um, if you find it for me, say Amen. What does it say something? That wasn't you. <laughs> Second Peter 3 verse 10. I like that. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It will expose everything. Amen. And it says, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what time I will come to you. And if you don't wake up and if you don't repent, I will surprise you. Wow. But there's a good thing that happens in verse 4. And Jesus has seen something good, and he says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not, so, who have not yet soiled their clothes. Amen. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Wow. He's very selective. He knows the ones that are righteous from the ones that are not. Okay? He has his eyes on the ones that are doing right and the ones that are not. And I think the good thing is, from the ones that, you know, that are really walking alongside with God, the rest of the church can learn from them. Amen? The rest of the church can really see and learn from them and take from them what Jesus really wants and what Jesus is really after. Amen? And he says the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. Amen. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious. The one who is victorious. Mm. Let us please stand. Wow. Wow. Isn't that an interesting letter? <laughs> 
That's a very correcting letter, and I think it's one really that points our focus to Jesus, that points our focus to the Word of God, that points our focus to the things of God and not to be distracted about anything that is irrelevant. Let us just turn our hearts to God and just open up our hearts to God and say, God, have your way. Take me to the beginning, O oh God. Take me to that day, O oh God, that you called my name. That day, Heavenly Father, that you saved me. I remember that day, Heavenly Father, like it was yesterday. I remember the breath that you breathed on me, O oh God. I remember, O oh God, your word, O oh God. I remember your whisper, O oh God. I remember, Heavenly Father, all the promises of Heavenly Father. I remember the things that you took away, O oh God. For I remember the man or the woman that I was before. And I can see where you're taking me now, God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Let's just stretch our hands and just pray to God. Just take this as an opportunity for you just to repent. Just take it as an opportunity just to have your conversation with God. Just take it as an opportunity just to enjoy God and just say, God, here I am before you, oh God. Here I am before you, Heavenly Father. Just focus. Focus my mind on you, God. Focus my heart on you, Jesus. Just focus. Focus. Focus everything that I'm doing, Heavenly Father. May I not be conformed, Heavenly Father, to the way things are in this world, God. May I not be conformed, Heavenly Father, to the way things operate in this world, Heavenly Father. But by your will, Heavenly Father, but according to your word, Heavenly Father, your word is what? I want to live by your God. Your word is my daily bread, Heavenly Father. Your word is my daily bread. Turn my ear to you, O God. Turn my ear to you, Heavenly Father, that I may hear you as you speak, O God. That I may hear you as you're calling my name, O God. That I may remember the prophecies, O oh God, that have been spoken of them. That I may remember the prophecies that you've spoken of my children, O oh God. That I may remember the prophecies that you've spoken of my wife and my husband, O oh God. That I may remember the prophecies that you've spoken of my family, O oh God. May you correct things, Heavenly Father. Correct things, Heavenly Father. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Align things in my life, O oh God. 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 Align things in my life, Heavenly Father. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. It says, remember, remember, remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. Remember. Remember what you have heard before. Remember about the basics of faith. For it is by faith that they cross the Red Sea. It is by faith. It is by faith. It is by faith. It is by faith. Take me back, O oh God. Take me back, O oh God. Take me back to the beginning, Heavenly Father. Teach me the basics again, Heavenly Father. Turn my ear, Heavenly Father, to the things of all, O oh God. To the things my forefathers did, O oh God. Oh God. Thank you.